1: Welcome back to the Best Ball Banana Stand. I'm your host, Peter Overzet. Joined, as always, every Wednesday here on the stream by Rotoviz's Sean Siegel. Whether you are watching this on my YouTube channel or listening to it on the Rotoviz airwaves, we are excited to have you with us. Basically, every week, Sean and I are jumping in a Best Ball Mania 4 draft. And Sean, if last week is any indication, we are going to continue to have to uh, battle wide receiver avalanches. That's what we're dealing with this year.
2: We are. And last week's draft was a pretty fun way to do it. That's that's probably the draft I'm most excited about of any that I've done so far this season. But I'm going to be a little distracted today, Pete, because all I'm going to be able to imagine is you and Leonie running on ship chasing <laughs> as we're doing this draft here.
1: Yes, I um, you know, I never promise that it's gonna be the best team, that it's gonna be the best um, quality stream. I, I can't promise that, but I can promise chaos. I can promise um just a wild night. So yes, uh Leone did it pretty well last time. I have no idea how it's going to work out. Cell service, bobbing camera. It's gonna look like I'm in the Blair Witch project or whatever, but yes, that it will uh will be some fun tonight. Sean, have you done any of the Underdog Cardio Club type stuff because that, of course, now getting very popular. It actually closes um, this week. But do you ever do any exercise while drafting combinations?
2: I haven't yet. That's a good idea. I've got <laughs> I've got all kinds of activities planned for this summer, more or less to distract me from eating as I try and go from two thirty five to one seventy five. We'll see if that works. But most of them are, well, I mentioned before. My goal really is to get where I can have ice cream while I'm on the treadmill while I'm watching the game. So we'll see if we evolve to that point.
1: I will say I, I did a cardio club draft on stream yesterday, drafting a, a team and it really like, was it miserable? Yes, but it does. It's less miserable. Running for 50 minutes while drafting is much better than just running for 50 minutes uh, while doing nothing else. So I do like that hack as far as, uh you know, trying to make it less awful. But Sean, you still uh,
2: have blood to your, your fingers. Were you able to, to make the clicks? Well, well,
1: what Sometimes I, what the bingos can
2: get a little tingly there as you're uh, they, running they beyond the...
1: Well, I get, I got shamed from people. What I do for the underdog cardio club is when I'm on the clock, I allow myself to throttle the treadmill down. And I go down to more of a walking pace, make my pick, and then throttle it back up. Now, sometimes the chat will get mad at me and they want me to just keep running, but I have to draw a line somewhere. If I have sweat, I do need to just be able to confidently select the button. You know how it goes?
2: Yeah, that is... That is good. I, you got me fired up for it. Now I'm going to have to, uh, do a little bit of that online. Do you, how many drafts do you get in there as you're doing the, uh, I guess it would just be one. Have you done any ultra marathon drafts there?
1: I, I haven't. I'm, I'm normally, I've done a couple where I would do back to back on, uh, you know, so you end up doing like an hour 30 on the, uh, on the stairmaster which will, uh, you know, it's rough. It's rough, but uh, you know, I just one in there, it, you know. I think this idea of like we all spend all summer drafting teams. And so if you can make some of them, you know, vaguely healthy or justify it, it seems like a, a good trade-off there. So well, then you can come um, back
2: out and break out that tank top. So you're
1: exactly. These are our new best ball breakfast tank tops as well. I think I have it pinned in the chat here as well. We got tank tops, we got shirts, we got coffee mugs. I even got my my coaster here, Sean. So we are ready here. For best ball breakfast. And we are ready for our Best Ball Mania Four Draft. Sean, I hopped in this just a second ago. We are going to be drafting from the one nine here today. Um, how are we feeling about this draft slot? I do see a lot of badges, a lot of friends. So I know what we're in for here.
2: Yeah, the 109 should be a lot of fun. And what I was going to propose to you, I mean, obviously we'll play the draft as it comes, but this would be a fun day to do a pure zero RB team, which obviously the wide receiver avalanche pushes us in that direction, but also depending on what exactly we get and how far some of these running back values fall. There are a couple of wide receiver names, I think, outside that range you and I have been discussing that have gotten a little bit more interesting. And so if we even wanted to do a little bit of a hyper fragile and then come back with a lot of wide receivers, I could see that as well. And I think both of those are viable from the ninth slot Again, a little bit depending on who goes in these top eight picks.
1: Yeah, and I mentioned this with Pat earlier and people who tuned into my Best Ball Breakfast on Monday. Uh, So, Sean, I was picking from the 12 classic wide receiver avalanche room. I started with Devontae Adams and CeeDee Lamb, and then it was so wide receiver heavy that I got Brees Hall and Josh Jacobs at the three, four turn because so many wide receivers went before. So I have been in these rooms from the back end specifically been liking to go wide receiver, wide receiver, just knowing I'm almost for sure going to like the running back at pick 33, but I don't ever want to box us into any specific strategy, but I just have noticed that trend that again, I said with Pat, it's not necessarily applicable to every draft, but it is very applicable to my stream drafts. And
2: certainly if you have the wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, running back, that's an approach that historically hasn't worked particularly well because you're not getting the anchor RB and then you're drafting in the dead zone, but obviously those trends no longer really apply in
1: 2023. Yep. Um, I think what I am going to do, uh, not that I don't like having Pat's ranks. Did you did you have updated ranks this week? I didn't get to check my email. Before, I only Sean. updated them a few minutes ago, so they're not officially in our. Okay. What um what do you like here? Um, Diggs does fall to nine. Devontae Adams, Garrett Wilson, uh, the running backs here as well. What do you like?
2: This for me would be Robinson or Garrett Wilson.
1: Garrett Wilson. Um, I right. I want to I want to I want to hear you talk about Garrett Wilson, and I know you you had a comment um last week that someone flagged in the comments and i wanted to expand on it where you said the first round wide receivers aren't that strong and someone that surprised someone and i want you to kind of expand on that because clearly that dovetails with passing on stefan Diggs at this spot
2: it does and uh, you know Diggs has generated a lot of controversy from the antics of the last season whether or not he's going to practice with the team it looks like you know those things are more or less going to be fine and yet Diggs is also going to be very reliant, I believe, on this combo with Josh Allen, which isn't necessarily the way that I want to go early when the value is at running back and the structure is so dependent on being loaded up at receiver. And so I kind of like getting some of these guys here early who you might go separate from the QB or you're setting up late QB opportunities. The other thing with Garrett Wilson is you're setting up this possibility with the commanders, the week 16 element, not that we're going to do commanders every time. Obviously we don't necessarily want that, but it is something that is kind of an out late. If we're looking for some values there Diggs And then especially AJ Brown, as much as we love him, there are risks for those guys to where I think that Garrett Wilson, when you look at what he did with the quarterback play that they had, Peter just put out an Elijah Moore-ish article yesterday, and just every time you go back and you work through what the Jets were dealing with last year, it just blows your mind. I mean, Garrett Wilson, I think, is a justified guy. Really, as early as the fifth receiver off the board.
1: Um, we are on the clock here at June 4. I want to continue that conversation by ADP: Jalen Waddle, Jonathan Taylor, Barkley, Olave, Devonta Smith. Uh, I love Waddle. I think you love Waddle. Anything else jump out to you?
2: No, I think that that is the way to go there. And it even gets us a little bit of that initial advance. We can get as many of our teams into the semis as possible. I really like that element of it. Then some of the other things could come into play. But that Wilson, Jalen Waddle start, I think you have two guys who are actually threats to be the overall wide receiver one this season. When you look at both of the Dolphins receivers, they played lower snaps than you might have guessed last year. They ran fewer routes. Now, they were targeted so heavily on the routes that they did run that perhaps the volume doesn't really go above that anyway. There's a limit to the number of hits that you want them to take throughout a game, the number of times they're going to be sprinting those 60 yards with the ball. But both of those guys actually could outperform what they did last season they were both top five wide receivers early before Tua had the injury elements waddle to me should be at the very least a borderline first round pick now i mean he's obviously going early in the second but i i have a hard time with him behind actually guys like stefan diggs and Devonte adams
1: and i think you know for people who um even myself who get anchored to adp i think this might be you know h- how could you take these guys over stefan diggs or davante adams but one way i know and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but tell me if this is how you think about it as well, is you're constantly trying to think about where are these guys going to go next year? How is their 2023 season going to position them? And my guess is you think AJ Brown and Diggs probably slide a little bit in ADP heading into next year where you could see Garrett Wilson being right up here at pick one three after Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase as this next generation where it almost kind of follows there's almost like a delay with Dynasty ADP and then the redraft catching up to it, where it's like Dynasty drafters were taking Jefferson and Chase there like last year. And then the the current community comes around on it for redraft. My guess is you think Garrett Wilson can be like a top three pick next year.
2: Definitely. And Ben Gretchen and I do a series on this every year for Stealing Bananas. And it's usually the one that listeners have the most fun with. And I mean, obviously you're gonna miss a little bit when you're projecting the very top guys but it's remarkable how accurate you can actually be when you're taking those young super talents to move up because they do and you want to limit how far you reach and you do want to be aware of adp and where you can get these different combinations and yet being on the young guys especially if they're that good is a key part to staying ahead you mentioned dynasty i think it's interesting because when you contrast dynasty and redraft best ball rankings there are just so much information they're one of the things in dynasty you can sometimes see guys who are young who are a little bit higher in redraft and the dynasty community is saying you know let's wait and see but if the player is going to be a value they're going to be a value in this particular season so anyway they're exploitable edges when you contrast those two elements
1: For sure. All right. We are going to be up here in the third round. We have started our draft with Garrett Wilson and Jalen Waddle. Some people might say we started our draft with two second round picks. Sean and I are saying we started our draft with two 2024 first round picks. So it's all a matter of perspective. Sean, looking at the board right now, Josh Allen is sliding in this room. Josh Jacobs available. Calvin Ridley, Debo Samuel, Mari Cooper, Najee, Keenan Allen. Um, So we're going to have some options here. Um, Josh Jacobs does go, I know you like ETN. Does this feel like still like a a wide receiver pick for you here at three, nine? I know there's some options we like.
2: It does. I I think that we have to go receiver here and probably Allen is the preference. There are so many things that he allows you to do. He's undervalued. He's the rare veteran star receiver who, I mean, the price on is just pretty surprising.
1: Yeah. Um, I agree with you on that. I don't know what it is because underdog drafters are willing to to go very wide receiver heavy. But for some reason there, and I've noticed it with Keenan. I've noticed it with Godwin. I've noticed it with Evans. And and I do think there is some of that lingering age bias. But man, when you juxtapose him with Calvin Ridley um, in the profile, you know, you're getting with Keenan Allen in that offense compared to Ridley where there is so many unknowns him in this new offense coming off of the year layoff. It is bizarre to me that Ridley routinely goes over Keenan.
2: Well, you look at Allen's profile and where he has been consistently with those wide receiver one finishes. And then you look at last season, and I mean, he's right there when he played, especially down the stretch at that same level. And you have the injury last year, which I think is possibly the thing that's pushing people off. But previous to that, he had. Gone through this extremely long stretch of missing hardly any games. So I, mean, I don't think that Keenan Allen is an injury risk per se, and the value there is pretty extreme.
1: We are back on the clock here at 4 um, 4. DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Watson, um, Jameer Gibbs. My guess, knowing you, is you're between Hopkins, Watson, and Gibbs. Is there anything else you would float here, Judy? No, I think that
2: Gibbs is the way to go and give us that running back so that we have at least one player in that range. We talked a little bit about going pure zero RB, which I think would have been fun if we could have gotten Judy to come back those last handful of picks.
1: Yeah, I agree with you that Keenan Allen, Jerry, Judy, Week 17 mini correlation is starting to get very popular. We saw a team in the previous draft with Pete, uh, with Pat do it from the early second or the late second round and then immediately grab Keenan Allen coming back in early third. So people are definitely onto that one. It would have made sense with this team. We do grab Jameer Gibbs as an anchor here. Sammy pointing out for the YouTube watchers, 343 watching and only 74 likes. Can we get some likes on the stream for Sammy? Appreciate you. Um, Yeah, the the zero RB builds are very fun, but I'm guessing, Sean, again, what you're wrestling with here is just this tier being so flat over the course of what, the next 15 to 20 wide receivers off the board?
2: It is. And I think that these guys as we come through this stretch. And it really depends for DeAndre Hopkins where he goes. There are some spots that, I mean, you're going to look at him and say even late second probably makes sense. The more that you learn about him, though, and the personality, he's probably going to go somewhere where he's not quite ready or there's going to be either weak quarterback play or he's going to be in a battle for those you know, wide receiver one types of targets. And... So from that perspective, he gets a little bit trickier. The next group of guys, I think, are more round five receiving picks. And so even in a wide receiver avalanche draft, I I don't really want fifth round values at the 4-3. Whereas Gibbs is probably a value in the middle of the third. Now, again, it's a little bit different in an avalanche draft, but he's somebody who not only is a value there, but the more I've been working with exactly how the positions break down and where the tiers are, I think that he's the end. And then you don't really want another running back into that almost that round nine range. So if we pass Mm -hmm. there, we either don't get a running back or we reach for somebody who, yeah, I mean, you you could always get that 2022 Miles Sanders where a really unlikely profile pays off. But if you chase those, I mean,
1: you're just building bad teams. But Kenneth Walker is an exception for you in that range, right?
2: He is. And I think that you really want to bet on the talent And yet, I mean, with what they did with Charbonnet, I I think that he's probably a little bit overvalued as a talent. And so I think that you're getting Walker knocked down a little bit too much. And yet, even if Walker has a big talent edge, I mean, the Seahawks have already sort of committed to this being maybe not exactly a committee, but I've become a little bit more worried about how that could work out. I don't want Walker to need an injury to his backup in order to become the league winning type of play that he should be.
1: Yeah, one other, we might have the spot depending on what the Mike Williams Ryan drafter does, Ryan Hodge. I don't think I've heard you talk a lot about Justin Herbert, who is maybe often available around this range. I know with your heavy Keenan stuff, I know you like Quentin Johnson. Is is Herbert a priority target for you right now? Or are you still just enjoying playing everything through the late quarterbacks? Herbert does go, but I am curious what you think about him.
2: I like playing it through the late QB. I, you worry a little bit about leaning too heavily into something that historically hasn't worked that well and leaning too heavily into individual players who are very risky and yet you get so much additional value and I mean drafters are really asking you to play those late quarterbacks I also think that Herbert is one of these guys who I mean you and Pat were talking about it to conclude the previous stream. I mean he's gonna fall and I think that you really want those later prices
1: All right, Sean, we're on the clock here at five, nine. I have tabbed over to just wide receivers, tight ends, Kittle, Lockett, Evans, Deontay, Johnson, Pitts, Addison, Burks, Goddard, Tony, Pickens, Dotson. What do you like?
2: Yeah, I think going with either of the Steelers receivers or probably either of the the Steelers receivers here.
1: Yeah, let's do that. Um... I guess the the calculus here. So if we are going to go late on a quarterback, um, there's nobody we would even be really considering in this range anyways. Fields, Lawrence, no stacking there. We've already talked that we're probably going to be kicking the can down the road at running back. So then the big question is, do you make potentially a detour for tight end here in the early sixth or do we continue to hammer wide receivers. I've been thinking a lot about like the detours you make in these rooms. And generally I felt like I could get away with two detours from wide receivers. So maybe a running back, maybe a tight end, maybe a quarterback. Um, Would this be a room where you would be willing to take a tight end detour? Or do you want to keep hammering wide receiver? Do you think?
2: I really like Pitts and Goddard for what they could do this year. My question would be how far you think they can fall. What are you seeing in these avalanche drafts? Is there, I mean, obviously by ADP, they wouldn't come back to us, but right if people get locked out at receiver and are chasing a little bit there, you know, do we wanna try and get that? One of the things with Pitts is he also opens up a path to one of the really late quarterbacks and also probably pushes somebody else off of them a little bit. So you create a little additional safety. I do think there's probably a receiver here it becomes interesting enough that i would go that direction if he doesn't get taken these next two picks
1: yeah and i i have been seeing the titans fall i want to say someone in the chat can remind me in the draft we just did with pat i want to say uh pitts fell all the way to pick 77 or 78 um so you will see some of these guys slide um in these rooms so yeah um You know, Pitt's definitely still available here, right? uh, It would be a little bit ahead of ADP. Um, So there probably are better draft slots for us to get our Kyle Pitts exposure where we can capture that slide into the seventh here. What was the wide receiver who was standing out to you? Is it the double tap on the Steelers?
2: That would be an option. I have a lot of that. That's pretty fun. Dotson was the guy I was thinking of. Lockett also actually a little bit interesting. He's somebody I have very little of. I'm tending to be on JSN, but I is a locked in veteran who doesn't have to make any kind of leap. He just has to stay there.
1: Dotson or Lockett?
2: Let's go with Dotson.
1: Okay. Let's do it. Dotson today. I don't know if you got a chance to see the, uh, the quote that was floating around. Uh, I don't know when he did the interview, but it seemed fairly recently. And he said pretty emphatically, Sam Howell is our quarterback. Basically said, I don't think there is much of a quarterback thing. So when you have players coming out and saying that, I remember when uh, George Kittle said it about Brock Purdy last year, I kind of, You know, my ears perk up because I I know there's been some Jacoby Brissett talk, but if John Dodson had just said he's our quarterback, it seems like that's pretty close to solidified.
2: Yeah. And they came out, the coaching staff and said, you know, we're going to give both guys some first team reps probably. And you almost wonder if even just that was to take a little bit of the pressure off of Howell and say, look, go out there. Don't worry about having to be this locked in starter, but also we want to see you compete The drumbeat out of Washington has just been pretty extraordinary. When you have the backup quarterback begging the coaching staff to play you, and then that guy, even as he's leaving town, is saying, this guy is a star. I I just have a hard... The other thing, too, is that going into his final season, a lot of people had Hal projected as a top 10 pick. He goes out, rushes like 800 yards rushes for 800 yards we're talking about fantasy football where everyone wants rushing quarters he rushes for 800 yards bizarrely falls in the draft despite being an elite prospect goes to Washington looks fantastic in the preseason looks fantastic in his start his teammates all claim that he's a star I mean I don't want to destroy the end of our draft here but how is Sam Howell going where he's going it's utterly absurd
1: all right, yeah, yeah, chill out on the Sam Howell love for now. Um, this this is actually another topical thing that I just had to pull up because this must have just happened. Uh, FF Doom asking, do we think Bateman is going to slide? I don't know if you saw this, uh, Sean, but it says uh, Bateman receives a cortisone shot, expected to miss minicamp. Did you catch that? Um, is that maybe impacting a way you think about the Ravens right now?
2: I, I don't know. Even thinking about the Ravens, it's devastating though because. I mean, Bateman is one of these guys that I have quite a bit of exposure to in Dynasty. He's tricky to rank and to select and redraft right now because they've added all these other weapons and because you don't know where he is. But it's really frustrating. It's it's really sad because he looks like a big time talent. and We just may never
1: find that out at this point. I know he just seems like one of those guys that's forever snake bitten and it's just so easy to tell yourself a story of how it could work out if he was fully healthy just from the glimpses we've seen so that'll be an interesting thing to weigh you know whether i I assume we're going to start to get an incoming dip on him you know for me bateman had represented that end of the tier before it really falls off a cliff him elijah moore and then all of a sudden you're into michael thomas sutton juju range um i wonder if he now does kind of push closer um, to where say like Jameson Williams is going where people are like, Hey, I might not get these first five to six weeks. But uh, I like the profile for end-of-season stuff is, is how I could see that shaking out. We are about to pick at pick 81 here at 7-9. Our team right now, no quarterbacks, no tight ends. We got our uh, anchor running back, Jameer Gibbs, and then we got five wide receivers. Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddell, Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, and Jahan Dotson. Um, lo and behold, Bateman top of the queue as far as best available wide receivers. Anything jumping out to you here, Sean? Kind of a gross part of the board.
2: It is. I think that DeAndre Swift is just so dynamic. And the upside there is monstrous. Meaning, mean, especially in a in an Avalanche trap, maybe you'd like to get even a little bit better price on him, but he is below ADP. That takes away another fun way to play it. We have... I think another receiver option, but probably a guy who will come back to us in the next round.
1: Yeah, uh, I feel like these wide receiver avalanche drafts, everyone's starting to get like a little little smarter, a little more used to them where, you know, we would get some of these insane running back followers. And now you have enough people in these drafts who are saying, you know what? No, I am going to grab the value. I am going to grab these running backs I like. And then you find yourself on the board there where it's like, there's no screaming ADP values. There's no wide receivers we like. There's no quarterbacks for us to stack. There's no tight ends for us to select And So you are just kind of then taking your best available player there. So um, interesting spot there, but Jameer Gibbs and DeAndre Swift, um, the old DeAndre Swift and the new DeAndre Swift, both on the same team.
2: It's just so much fun. And those receptions, not only do you still get a half point for them, but they're going to be out there in space. Both of those guys can make huge plays when they get into space. You have a chance for a lot of the big plays that, you know, they generate the stats for the full season, but they also have that spike week, element to them they can you know win the week for you they can win tournaments for you i mean really with swift the thing is you know can he stay healthy but the numbers for swift were crazy last year when you consider how injured he was if he were to stay healthy in this philadelphia offense i mean this is one of those guys we talk about doing that exercise where you project forward to the next season i mean deandre swift was one of those guys where you're saying okay he's gonna be the 109 now we're getting him in a great offense in the seventh round
1: so yeah um all right what do you see on the board here? You mentioned a wide receiver. I'm curious if he's still available there. Some running backs on the board. Darren Waller is kind of interesting. I don't know where you're at on him. What do you like?
2: Let's let's go with Waller. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's talk about it. it. It seemed like you maybe had some hesitation there. One thing I've been thinking about Waller, and I actually just put out a best ball tip video here of the Giants – on rooms specifically where you're not as wide receiver heavy, I think Waller is a really interesting selection because it can open you up for Daniel Jones. And then you have, you know, depending on how you feel about the Giants room, a plethora of late stacking options where you just have four to five guys who you can do. And as a way of like, hey, I've taken a couple of these detours and I still want to get shots at an elite ceiling at quarterback and tight end. I kind of feel like the Giants unlock that a bit. Um, How are you viewing Waller in conjunction with the rest of, let's say, that mid-elite tight end tier, the Kittles, the Goddards, the Pitts. Is he closer to that tier for you or closer to the, the Friar-Muth types?
2: I think he's closer to the friar types, but he's one of these players with just a huge range of outcomes. And I always like to chase that, at least to an extent. We know that when he's completely healthy, he's more or less uncoverable. He's a guy that you have to double-team because... The bigger defenders simply cannot stay with him. And the smaller guys, when you throw the ball to them, are absolutely dwarfed. You look at some of the things, especially when Derek Carr was really at the top of his game with Gruden, where you have that element that, I mean, it's Waller and Waller and Waller and Waller. And you read about what the Giants are currently doing in some of their practices, how insiders think that the team is going to break down. I mean, I like some of the late receivers there in terms of Hyatt, in terms of Wondell Robinson. I think those guys are going to be good. I think that the Giants offense is going to take a step forward. But if there's one guy who comes out and really dominates everything, it's probably going to be Waller. And if he does that from the tight end position, that gives you another little additional benefit.
1: Yeah. And I do. um, I know you've been, you know, playing through the late uh, tight ends. I do think we're going to end up being in a sweet spot where what other than our Keenan Allen Every single one of our wide receivers or pass catchers that we've selected, their quarterback is still available on the board. So we're going to have a ton of options if we find ourselves in flat spots of the board to kind of scoop up potential stacks there. So that's kind of a nice uh, little bonus for us just with this team we've built. We have tons of quarterback stacking outs.
2: Yeah, and if you go with a zero RB team and build it that way. I think it's a lot of fun. It opens up a two QB build, opens up that three QB build, where from a tournament perspective, if you can win through different QBs as you're going along, then you maybe have a little bit more uniqueness against the final field. So I love that element that you're just describing. I think it's an underrated part of how you want to do zero RB.
1: Yeah, for sure. And normally, you know, I think we've seen in previous years, right? When the quarterbacks were cheaper, and also in manage specifically, too, like getting that elite quarterback and elite tight end with zero RB has been like a very, very powerful strategy of, hey, I'm going to beat you at every single position except RB2, essentially, or RB1. Um, this year, with the quarterback prices differently, I do think it's changed that calculus. Um, and now you're constantly weighing um, these kind of decisions with the detours. But I think the way we've done it here, with Waller getting two running backs we like and now having all these quarterback options, I think I don't think we're gonna find ourselves squeezed like we were last week, right? Where we're having to take guys 40 picks ahead of ADP out of structural reasons. So that's kind of a nice, nice bonus for where we're at now.
2: So we do have that question with the QB and the elite receiver of yes. Do you want to go that route when the QB just objectively is wildly <laughs> undervalued. There is also a, a deeper receiver that I don't want us to reach too far for, but I don't want us to miss. My question for you, you know, without giving the name here too early, it doesn't open up a correlation play. It would open up another QB play. Mm. Is that something you would be more or less against here?
1: I, I think we should go to a because I also don't think it necessarily boxes out of a 3QB build if we still want. Like, we want to do Tua with too late. Um, even if we ended up liking, like, some Daniel Jones value or whatever, I think there's a lot of different ways we can play it. So I would just... We made a big bet on Jalen Waddle. We both think Tua is massively undervalued. I say we pull it in here. Perfect. Um, So we do stack up Tua with Jalen Waddle a few picks past ADP. This is something that'll happen if the Tyreek Hill um, drafter passes on him because he took Jalen Hurts it basically, a lot of people do not like to take an unstacked Tua. And so you could have maybe even argued, Sean, that we could have even tried to push Tua to 112 here, but I didn't see anything else like really glaring at me that would have, you know, made that the best choice.
2: And I think because of the way that we're set currently, there are multiple names to come back. And since we're not that far away from our pick, I like going ahead and locking Tua in, even though I do think he would have come back.
1: I think you're right. Um, one thing looking at Alex had, um, zero quarterbacks through here, but he has more options as well. He's playing for Denver new Orleans stuff there. So he might not have even have done it. So yeah, always tough to weigh that. Um, Positionally here, so we're going to be picking at 10. We're through uh, nine rounds. We have two stacked with Waddle. Our running backs are Jameer Gibbs, DeAndre Swift. Our other four wide receivers with Waddle are Garrett Wilson, Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, and Jahan Dotson. And we got Darren Waller at tight end. So structurally, very similar to where I was with Pat in the last draft very balanced here. We don't have to chase any positions. I think we can go and get out who we think is the best player here. Um, Talk me through this upcoming selection as we're on deck here.
2: Well, Pirine has a ton of upside right there. It doesn't look like they're going to be hit by Dalvin Cook, which I mean, that can always change. But if they're not, then Pirine is a huge scoring play, almost either way regardless what happens with Javante Williams I also think that Romeo Dobbs is a really interesting selection here if we wanted to get close to finishing out our wide receivers before we really hit this massive dead zone
1: yeah um I think it's a good call out because I do not think Dobbs in this room is making it back uh who do you want P Ryan or Dobbs let's go with Dobbs here all right let's do it um He's an interesting one. It seems like, you know, his ADP is obviously ahead of Jaden Reed's. And yet I feel like my sentiment indicator is that people are more willing to play the Packers offense through other non-Dobbs guys. It's either, oh, I want to tack on Jaden Reed or, you know, I'm just going to do something skinny with with Watson or, or the running backs. Talk to me about Romeo Dobbs because I feel like from a discourse perspective, he's almost kind of a forgotten man. He doesn't get talked about a ton.
2: It'll be so interesting to see where we end up with Dobbs because he was the player who flashed far beyond Christian Watson during the offseason last year. And then he was the guy who had this elite rapport with Jordan Love. And you would watch their preseason games. Dobbs was running all different types of routes. He was open on every single play. Love was looking to him on every single play, peppering him with targets. He was scoring touchdowns. You get into the regular season, there are a couple of misconnections with Aaron Rodgers and suddenly it torpedoes what looked like it was going to be a fantastic Dobbs year. And then you have Watson, who obviously was their earlier pick, made some big plays. And Watson has just this unbelievable athleticism to where, I mean, he's a touchdown waiting to happen every time he touches the ball. And so he gets pulled up into that fourth round range where I think he deserves to be. But you do have a little bit of a risk with Watson at that price with an unproven quarterback. And when we're trying to load up on those foundation receivers, and we're trying to both minimize the risk, create the upside, I do think that there are some mild red flags there. And then you have Rodgers leaving. The other thing is that Rodgers just played extremely poorly last year. So I think we could get actually a boost with Love as opposed to, I mean, you have much more risk, but Rodgers was terrible. So when you're evaluating specifically the guys who played with him just last year, you've got to look at it from the perspective of they were playing with a bad quarterback. And once you kind of mentally make some of those adjustments and think through that, Dobbs becomes a little bit more interesting but then the drum beat out of their otas is that dobbs is basically right back to where he was in preseason last year where he's the guy i mean if he's, i mean if he's gonna be the guy with the packers this season and he does have some sort of sneaky athleticism as well then it goes back to that conversation that we have a couple of years ago with debo versus brandon Ayuk, where yep. debo was the cheaper guy last year obviously both A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith hit, but Smith was a really good way to play it to minimize your risk in case the hybrid element there does torpedo some of the volume elements of the offense. I think that Dobbs is going to emerge as a really good way to play that Packers team, which not that you're hoping to play them as much as those other two offenses that I just mentioned, but I do like him as being a guy who could be a wide receiver one in a range where we're starting to get names that are pretty unsavory.
1: Where does Jaden Reed fit into all of that discussion about ways to play uh, the Packers? Do you just think it's going to be hard for him to make an impact in year one?
2: I think that it will be. He doesn't really have the profile of a guy you would expect to necessarily do that. He had some good seasons. He had some weird or disappointing seasons. I think the top couple spots are more locked in than people realize. And that seems to be the reporting as well. I mean, sometimes the logic and the reporting go in different directions. I think when the logic and reporting seem to go in the same direction, you sort of want to respect that. Although we're just so early too and how teams are working through what their 2023 plan is going to be.
1: That could change very quickly. We're about to be on the clock here at pick 129. This is our 11th round pick. Um, definitely some uh, running backs that I know we like here. Um, Rashad Penny, although I don't know if we would do him and Swift together. Maybe we would. Khalil Herbert, who you and I have selected before. Um, we could do Aaron Rodgers with Garrett Wilson, but we have so many quarterback options late. What do you like?
2: I like Penny unless you don't want to go that route. There, are obviously both pros and cons to doing it.
1: I'm not I think I'm that, not opposed to it
2: okay let's let's go that direction the the reason I like this Pete is because I think that both of those guys even if they both stay healthy they score in ways in which you actually like both of them right. individual players could then again you think of the tournament one guy could get you through one week one guy could get you through the next week but they're both undervalued even if they both stay healthy If one of them gets hurt, I mean, if one of them gets hurt, then you really would prefer just to have that guy on the team. True. But, I mean, this team is – I really like the way this team is coming together. I think that gives us additional floor. But, I mean, this gives us a great way to play the scenario where they stay healthy. And that is a legitimate scenario, even though both guys – are in this range because they're
1: so injury prone. Do you have any, I know I'm guessing obviously wide receiver avalanche room, but also some stuff about Penny potentially being either a cap casualty starting the year on IR. I assume you've seen some of that chatter. Do you think that's just noise that Penny's talent will kind of win out uh, here? or How are you feeling about him in general?
2: I think it's a, a talent will win out situation. I also think if he ends up somewhere else then i mean you could argue that makes our team even better if he's done then it's not a great pick
1: yeah um we're about to be on the clock here yeah one pick 136 aaron Rodgers still kicking around here um jalen warren wide receiver best available is probably alec pierce and then a pretty flat tier uh tight ends schultz Dulcich. what do you like
2: how about Dulcich? do you feel yeah. like adding another tight end
1: yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely good with that. This feels like a flat part of the board. Um, talk a little bit about passing on Aaron Rodgers. We do have Garrett Wilson. We're making a huge bet on him. I do know we obviously like some other late quarterbacks. We have multiple options late. Talk to me about passing on Rodgers there.
2: So I think that Garrett Wilson is so good that he can score if Rodgers has a good season. He can score if he has a bad season. I don't necessarily like the other jets passing weapons and so i think it will be very concentrated on wilson i think that rogers is one of those guys without the overall play volume and all likelihood obviously he likes to snap the ball as the clock runs out and without the rushing that i mean he's going to be a guy who's really hard pressed to have a strong advance rate and then you're really looking at him mostly in his value being a spike week in the tournament but even then if we can push to some of our other receiver connections I think that the quarterbacks actually have more upside definitely when you adjust for price and it allows us to put somebody in there with Dulcich where you have that week 17 game with Keenan Allen
1: Yep, that is another nice thing there. You do have a couple options with the Keenan Allen, with the uh, the Broncos. You kind of have Dolchich. Uh, is Mims already off the board in this one? No, Mims still kicking around here in Tim Patrick, but I, I like uh, Dolchich. He's been a guy I've been gravitating to a decent amount. How much do I have of Dolchich here? Um, yeah, well, a little over uh 13% here should be 14% after this draft. So yeah, definitely been in on Dolchich. To recap our team right now, here we have a one, three, six, two build. We have two stacked up with Jalen Waddle, our three running backs, Jameer Gibbs, both Eagles backs, DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. The rest of our wide receivers been talking about Garrett Wilson, Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, Jahan Dotson, and Romeo Dobbs, tight end, Darren Waller, Greg Dolchich. Again, pretty balanced here, positionally, nothing that we're really having to uh, catch up on.
2: Yeah, and it gives us a lot of flexibility there late. It's almost like a case where I think there are so many great late tight end options, that if we had had a good name where we picked Waller, my preference there would be to take another receiver, but I just don't think that there were really any options that would have made any sense.
1: I'm with you in, you know, in, in, in non avalanche rooms, like this could be an Elijah Moore selection. I think he can sometimes be there around pick 88. If you didn't have the Rashad Bateman stuff um, had a little more confidence there, maybe he is there as well, or maybe he slides there. So yeah, it was a, it was a rough spot there. And man, even the running backs uh, available at that range, you know, white Pacheco Connor, I mean, guys that are fine, but it really felt flat at that Waller pick.
2: And one of the things that is another one of these trade-offs of the avalanche draft, or at least something that does cause some issues for you is that if you don't get in on the Denver running backs, and obviously we t- chose to pick Dobbs at that spot. I mean, really the value you get at running back, the chance that you have to make a pick, that in previous years would have never been available it's almost exclusively really in round three it's not like it cascades throughout the rest of the draft if you don't hit that bell cow that legendary upside guy in round three then i mean you're basically just looking at running backs who are shot guys and aren't that much better than those zero rb options who are going to be available many many rounds later
1: so looking at our team uh, with six wide receivers, do you think this team has a, a seventh wide receiver in it? Or are you kind of leaning toward being being good with this room?
2: I think it could go either way. I do. I mean, I still prefer to get the seventh wide receiver with this particular one, since I mean, guys like Dotson and Dobbs have plenty of of risk, and even if they have good seasons, we might not see them have those consistently scoring weeks so to fill the three spots to give yourself some more options at the flex i think that if we have another receiver we shouldn't avoid that one of the great things about this particular build is it does give us just so many different options we don't have to find the best pick at a specific position but late in three at both tight end qb good ways to do it obviously we've got some slightly earlier guys at those two positions today though too
1: We're on the clock here at 13-9. Some tight ends up here, Tank Bigsby, Roshan, Tyler Algier, some interesting names. Also some wide receivers I know we like as well. Um, What do you like on this board? I think to go with Bigsby or to come back with Samuel. Yeah, let's do do Bigsby here. Um, Talk to me a little bit about Bigsby. Don't know if I've heard you give kind of, I know you like ETN. Um, I assume though this is just a backfield you are interested in targeting both at cost
2: it is and they've signaled uh, similar to the thing with charbonnet where i mean bigsby is going to be very involved and that is unfortunate for the etn thesis because he's one of these guys where if you're talking about a new jamal charles then i mean it's it's travis etn and you'd like to see the team commit to that and say we've got a guy who can change the game every single week and he's going to get the touches to do that as opposed to saying you know, we're gonna we're gonna have a committee. Committees are the way to go. But if that's what the rhetoric is from the team, you have to respect a little bit. Bigsby, I think, someone who has been inflated slightly in terms of the talent, but the flexibility that he brings and the chance to really lock down a big portion of, I mean, he's gonna be the RB2. He's gonna get a lot of touches at that price. You have that, plus then you have obviously the contingent upside with the injury. It's hard to go away from him there
1: yep uh I agree I like uh I like Bigsby in that range so our four running backs now through 14 rounds uh Jameer Gibbs DeAndre Swift Rashad Penny Tank Bigsby sorry through 13 rounds we're about to pick here on the clock at 14-4 um you had mentioned uh Curtis Samuel when we were on the clock before he does go here I also of course like Taequann Thornton and Wandell Robinson I'm pretty sure you like those guys as well or would this be another running back pick for you
2: I don't know that any of the running backs move the needle here compared to guys who should be available at the next turn. If you have a DeAndre Hopkins who gets dropped in on top of Thornton, then it really changes his entire play. But, I mean, I don't know that that's going to happen. So. so I
1: did it. I, I did it of selecting Waddell Robinson too, because I was trying to do the classic interpreting Sean's uh, tea leaves there on the fly. The, the, the reason I did break the tie there, in addition to you mentioning that there could be some Thornton uh, Hopkins risk, is we did make a bet on the Giants with Darren Waller as well um so I did go ahead and grab Wandell Robinson there would you still if you had more time to think it through would, would Thornton still have been the guy for you over Robinson
2: well I have so much Thornton that I think <laughs> me too I, and, and I like that because he's just going to keep getting more expensive so if you have somebody who is at like an absurd 50 60 exposure at this point I mean he's going to rise to where you get zero the entire rest of the way right so it's going to yeah. balance it back out but I mean, the other thing here is that if Hopkins doesn't land on him. Juju's already hurt. I mean, Juju's not going to do anything. So yeah. you have, I mean, Thornton is the wide receiver one in an offense that's going to make a big jump. I mean, his price is kind of silly.
1: Yeah, but I need, I need you hyping up Wandel Robinson because that's who we selected, Shot
2: Right, Wandel. <laughs> Wandel is something, somebody that Colin Kelly and I have been selecting in some of our FNPC Superflex drafts. We've got A player here who and you and i selected him previously yeah i think on our first draft the real question there is what's the timeline you had mentioned with rashad bateman you know maybe if he misses the first month but then you get a guy at a great value who's going to come out and score i think that robinson as the seventh receiver there is pretty palatable because you have so much potential over the second half of the year for him to be the one and when you go back through and you look at what he did his final year in college and where he was drafted just very undervalued last year it was disappointing he was one of my like three highest exposures and then he basically didn't play and so <laughs> you yeah. do have that portion that is frustrating and yet when he did play he was electric he's got a broader profile i think than a lot of drafters are giving him credit for. There you he go. should be That's from a contingent a from a contingent perspective. I mean, he's either gonna hit and is a league winner or he's a seventh receiver who maybe only has a couple decent weeks. If you're talking about just a couple decent weeks, you'd prefer that to come out of, like your 17th and 18th picks as opposed to right here. But we know that I mean you can do nothing all season and catch a touchdown like Tyquan did at the key moment, yeah. and then
1: you're the guy. There you go. Um All right, our team here to recap for the audio listeners, whether you're listening uh, on the Rotoviz Airwaves or watching here on the Pete Overzet YouTube channel, this is the Best Ball Banana Stand with Pete Overzet and Sean Siegel. Our team so far, Tua at quarterback, running backs Jameer Gibbs, DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, and Tank Bigsby. Our wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddell, Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, Jahan Dotson, Romeo Dobbs, Wandell Robinson. We did not let ourselves get buried in an avalanche today. And at tight end, Darren Waller and Greg. Dolcich um looks like we're going to have some nice options coming up here as far as quarterbacks running backs should have a, a decent part of the board available to us here
2: and this draft is, has worked out very nicely in that we were able to get the receivers we needed and yet we also have some elite guys at the other positions not to say this draft was any less tight i think when we go back and evaluate it from a big picture perspective it will show to be but it's nice to not be as locked out as we were the first
1: couple times yep we have jerome ford come off the board and chuba two of our favorites here um any love for foreman jeff wilson um anything jumping out to you we could lock up kenny pickett here with deontay johnson or we can wait on that what do you like well let's let's put kenny
2: pickett in there and then can you go to the running backs purely Uh, just running backs let's stick with Pickett, and if we do run into an issue with some of these other late guys that we've set up then this Tua picket I've got a lot of Pickett, but it has mostly been not with Tua and so to have Deontay Johnson and Pickett on a draft that's on this side as opposed right. to coming out of a top four selection I like that Chuba was the guy that I wanted he went one pick ahead of us
1: I know. Yeah. And you had just wrote up Jerome Ford today. Uh, Highly recommend checking out this piece on RotoViz, Sean writing about the Cleveland Browns and how the two later picks at both running back and wide receiver might actually be the better selections than the earlier picks. Highly recommend checking that out. Um, What do you like now, Sean, after we take Kenny Pickett? Well, let's... You like the Chase Brown plunge here. I also don't mind, I mean, I like Jeff Wilson if we're building out a bet on the Dolphins, but talk to me about Chase Brown as well. Do you prefer Chase Brown to Wilson? I think that I do. Talk about Chase Brown. I think my worry with Chase Brown right now is that um, that Travion Williams is in fact maybe the two there and we don't have a ton of clarity on it right now. Um, it sounds like you you feel pretty strongly though that Chase Brown will be that two. That
2: No, I think that when he's available (laughs) here in the 16th in a spot where we don't have another clear pick. And the only reason I'd be a little bit off Wilson, and you can correct me if this has dramatically changed in the last 24 hours, but I would still be pretty concerned about Dalvin Cook there. So with already being probably the third guy, then... I don't want to be the fourth guy when we select him i think that we can wait and we're going to still be good on on most certain wilson shares
1: yeah i i, I really hope that dalvin cook doesn't go there because i'm pretty sure i have like 50 total miami dolphins exposure uh in my in my drafts I, i've just I I know why people get excited or or see the Dalvin Cook connection. And I I will acknowledge it's a possibility, but just the way that they've handled the running back position over the years, retaining those two free agents, you know, bringing in Devin A-Chain with decent draft capital. It just seems really weird that they're then going to pay Dalvin Cook as much as he wants to get paid, where he's demanding a certain amount of money. It just doesn't seem like their MO. um, So I'm a little less worried about it. Um, But to your point, Jeff Wilson is sliding in drafts. I think I got him at pick 191. In a draft, um, and people, I think, are planning for that um, potentially happening.
2: So we have a little bit of the concern there. Brown has an ADP in a range where it can be a little bit more challenging to get him. I think Travion is the guy that you want to be on. So it probably is a little bit weird to say let's take Chase Brown, but I think I'm going to end up with so much Travion that if you get Brown in a spot where you didn't like anybody else, you go ahead and balance it out a little bit right there. As I'm looking at our ADP tool, I mean, Travion's still not really going in many drafts. It might be the case that this is exactly a time when you need to get on him. I'm thinking that we're going to have some of these drafts in the future where we're desperately looking for that 18th round pick, and it's going to be just automatic for Williams.
1: Yeah. I also thought you were going to maybe, if you're going to float, maybe, I don't want to say off the wall, but running back selection, I thought maybe you would have gravitated to Ty Chandler as a Minnesota Bring back there with our with our Green Bay stuff. Was he in contention for you too?
2: He is. I'm still trying to get a great feel for where those guys are going to go, where I want to pick them.
1: He's not the only option to play that at the end of drafts here. Yep, uh, our guy Serum does take Sam Howell here, so we'll have to think through if we if this is still a three quarterback build, or if we're happy with Tua and Pickett. Um, Looking at the board here. Did someone take Trey McBride? Wow. He's normally always available. I was going to be interested in McBride as a little bring back with our Eagle stuff. He is gone. So some of our favorites, um, as is known to happen here, getting wiped out. Anything jumping out to you?
2: I like Mayer. He has been kind of the lost guy and is another option for having one of these rookie tight ends that uh, we're seeing it move a little bit more in the direction where those guys can make a difference. You think about Trey McBride with the big Week 17 last year. Obviously, Dulcich had the stretch where he played well. People very excited about what Pitts did as a rookie, not so much what he did last season. But then when you think about Kincaid and Laporta and where they're being priced, what the opportunity really is in that offense, especially if Devontae Adams maybe does a little bit of an Allen Robinson. I mean, that's that's not going to happen. But you have opportunity there. They want to prop him up. Mayor is an elite prospect, kind of a fun way to go.
1: Um, this feels like a running back pick to me, Sean. Five running backs and kind of a zero RBs room. I put three guys in the queue who are interesting to me, both from correlation and prospect stuff. I'm guessing you like these guys too. McBride, Izzy, Pierce Strong, anyone else, or do you have a favorite of these?
2: Well, I think McBride for the reasons that you mentioned with Chandler and yeah. For me, these two guys are really close. Ty Chandler was one of my favorite picks last season. That didn't work out in part because he was hurt and the starters were healthy, which is a, a scenario that plays out sometimes, even though we tend to think about, okay, the starters get hurt, the backups you know, are not really out there taking the in-game hits. So they stay healthy and then they go in and they steal reps at the key moment. It doesn't always happen that way. It doesn't mean that Chandler is not still the athletic guy that they drafted. However, I mean, Dwayne McBride, if he had been healthy through the draft process, there were a lot of scouts who felt like he could be the fourth guy after Charbonnet. I don't know that that was ever really in the mindset of the NFL front offices because I think he would have gone a little bit earlier if to one of these teams if that were the case. And yet the article that I wrote last week after the Vikings released cook discusses a lot of the ways in which alexander madison has weaknesses we tend to think about him as an elite handcuff and a guy ready to make the jump and to fill in and be a star because he hit on those opportunities when he was the guy but in the same way that when you think back to the browns for example and how some of their guys you have that hunt chubb situation when one of them was hurt the other one didn't elevate the way that you might think and yet that doesn't mean that nick chubb (laughs) <laughs> wasn't good or that that wasn't the most likely thing to happen. You have to look at the overall profile. Alexander Madison's peripherals are terrible. They're not you know, okay to where you're saying hey, it's not a talent bet. I mean, they're actually bad. And So from that perspective, when you're covered up by a guy who is better in space in Chandler, a guy who's probably a better early down runner in McBride, there's a lot of risk for him. There's a ton of opportunity for the backups. I think you want to be on the backups, and yet... You know, if you get to the end of the season and Madison is the guy who stayed healthy and because he's got that experience as an NFL player, the Vikings in a situation where they're mostly going to pass anyway. And so they want a safe guy. It could be Madison for just the whole thing, but you're going to need to get a lot of exposure of those two Vikings backs at the very end of drafts. And I think that round 18 is the place to do it
1: yeah and if you want to hear sean expand on that backfield sean did have a piece out earlier in the week looking specifically at madison ty chandler and dwayne mcbride breaks down everything from a profile perspective and then also how to play it in drafts highly recommend checking that out as well as the most recent cleveland browns article that he has up on the site and you can also go back into the archives looking at the best ball workshop where he dives in to a lot of the tactics and strategies we've been employing in these drafts i do want to recap our team here draft number 53 in the books for me ended up with a 2673 build Tua and Kenny Pickett at quarterback getting both those guys as slight ADP values uh stacked up with Waddle and Deontay Johnson our running back room a pretty fun kind of modified zero RB room here with Jameer Gibbs DeAndre Swift Rashad Penny Tank Bigsby Chase Brown Dwayne McBride nothing says Roto viz to me like a bunch of rookies and DeAndre Swift on a team as well as Penny love that Wide receiver, uh, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddell, Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, Jahan Dotson, Romeo Dobbs, Wandel Robinson. A really nice mix here of veterans we feel good about, as well as second-year breakout candidates here. Look at all of that. It is basically all veterans and second-year breakouts. I guess Waddle is our one third-year guy there. Tight end, Darren Waller, uh, past ADP, Greg Dolchich, and Michael Mayer. Maybe not as loaded up to the gills with as much correlation as we would have liked, you know, missing out on an Arizona bring back. Um, but for the most part, Sean, uh, I like how this this team shook out.
2: Yeah, and we went ahead and took Pickett so that we were protected against that Howell selection. And I mean, for me personally, I'm going to have so much Howell that if I miss on him in a few drafts, I think that that is okay. I made a big pitch for <laughs> mid-draft, which may not have been the <laughs> smartest thing to do. We the, the thing we might go back and change with that would simply to be take Tyler Lockett, right? And yet, wow. I do think that JSN creates a lot of risk for those two guys. A lot more risk for Metcalf at his price than for Lockett at his price. But otherwise, the draft went almost perfectly. The one we did last week, Pete, as you mentioned, just was crazy in terms of how much correlation we could push into it. This draft, I think, is... One of those where you look back and you're trying to figure out, well, how would you put together? And I'm not in any way saying that, like, we're going to win the regular season with this. But I think there are some echoes to what King Cap did with his team last year. You mentioned at the wide receiver position, the volume and then the breakout guys. And that's really what I want to have are those second year players who are going to be drafted much earlier a year from now. And then if we're looking at veterans, it's veterans who seem substantially undervalued. I talk a lot about talent and a lot about what you can do with the targets, but Keenan Allen and Deontay Johnson from a target perspective, you know, we look at the volume that they're gonna have, I mean, they should be going much, much, much earlier. Doesn't mean that they're gonna hit, but I think that the risk reward is skewed in our favor on those picks.
1: Yeah, I like how this one turned out here. Fun draft number 53 in the books here on the Best Ball Banana Stand. It's a weekly show. With me, Peter Overzet and Sean Siegel from Rotaviz, where we will draft in Best Ball Mania Four, chasing that three million dollar top prize, making provocative selections. The chat: How could you take Garrett Wilson over Stefan Diggs? This is why I love drafting with Sean because we get to really interesting discussions and how we, you know, uh, myself included, can often get very anchored to RB or uh, to ADP. And I love how much Sean pushes me outside of the box. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. Uh, a few plugs on my end. As I mentioned, uh, Ship Chasing will be live tonight at 9.15 p.m. Eastern. Leonie and I are going to go for a run while drafting. Uh, We're going to draft a team on the Swolecast today at 1.30 as well. I've been told I'm getting a secret challenge that I must uh, accomplish in my draft so you can tune in for that always a good time be sure to check out the new best ball tools over at fantasy life free suite of tools checking your exposures looking at your combos your stacks maybe sean and i can review some of the teams that we've drafted as the summer progresses looking at kind of the texture and how those are shaking out and evolving as we go sean anything else that people should be looking out for up on uh rotoviz this coming week
2: well to start with from a podcasting perspective Ben and I had a great time recording stealing bananas and it was very much about exactly what we just did which is working through underdog and how to make your player targets work with the structure what's the most exploitable in 2023 that was a lot of fun to do Colin kelly and I recorded a super flex ffpc tournament team against the listeners and obviously when you go against the listeners you get some crazy drafts we made some provocative selections in that one But Pete, I appreciate you mentioning those two articles that were out, did some player pieces, have been focusing so much on best ball strategy that it was a lot of fun to make a little detour, dive into some of the players. It kind of really refreshes your mindset and gets you to think in a little bit different way when you dive deeply into the players. And I think it always comes back to the players. You have to have player targets that will work. The seasons that I've had the most success are when the evaluations on the players... And their evidence-based evaluations really fit with what we want to do structurally and that just amplified everything. So there are a couple of things out like that, but we've got the best ball tools with the underdog advanced rate explorer, the underdog roster construction explorer, a lot more workshop pieces using those two tools coming out. And those are just two of the approximately 40 tools we have over at roto We'd love to have everybody come check them out.
1: Awesome. Yeah, you guys should definitely be checking it out. I have links down below to the RotoViz YouTube channel, to Sean's work over at RotoViz, and all the other great work being done by the riders over there. It really is the best bang for your buck sub in all of fantasy sports. Highly recommend it. Speaking of Ben Gretsch, and I haven't got a chance to listen to that Stealing Bananas yet, which I'm very excited to do so, but I'm doing a doubleheader with our friend Ben Gretsch on Thursday night. He's going to join me for a randomizer draft. And then immediately following the shows I've been doing for YouTube members, the Best Ball After Dark series, which, you know, we'll probably end up drafting. But for the most part, it's been a chance for me to catch up with friends in the industry. We talk about content, dad life, all that kind of stuff, health, exercise, everything ancillary to what we're doing here. And very excited to have a a fun night with Gretch on my channel. It's also my birthday. So Gretch and I are going to have some cocktails, do a randomizer draft, Best Ball After Dark. If you're a YouTube member, you can get access to that Best Ball After Dark interview series been getting a lot of good feedback on that. So recommend supporting the channel and getting access to those videos. I appreciate all of you. I will catch you at the Swolecast here in a little bit. For Sean, I'm Pete. This has been the Best Ball Banana Stand. We'll see you guys next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern.